This is Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network. You're killing me, Smalls. Hey, this is Chris Hack, president of the 76ers. I just want to say, you're killing me, Smalls. Hey, this is former Sixer and Tar Heel, George Lynch. Smalls, you're killing me. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small. As Twitter at Real Mike Small. We have got a lot of Sixer stuff today. We're going to talk some Ben Simmons, talk some Nets with a couple of guys that I think we've seen, heard, and will definitely enjoy. First of all, my buddy Jason Blevins from the Painted Line covers the Sixers for TPL. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Good. Uh, thanks for having me back. Is this my third time? You are a third time killing me. I guess you get the Saturday Night Live smoking jacket now. And also third time is my buddy Dave Early, who covers the Nets and the Sixers for Liberty Ballers, as well as the Clutch Points app. Dave, welcome back for your third time on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys. So, this, Dave, so this you're is right in the middle of the Venn diagram today. I guess so. Yeah. Is that what you've got behind you there? It looks like maybe some. We, we can do this multiple that's ways. A, that's can, a that's a heat map. We can do the Brady Bunch thing where I'm I'm the dad. We can, you know, we can do one of these deals. Um, I I like this one actually. Let's go this one. We'll put Dave as the center of the Venn diagram. But um, this is fun. This is an opportunity uh, for me that I can obviously talk about a subject that I'm excited about. Uh, which we often do with you guys, but it's also going to be fun that we can interact with some of the viewers. We are uh, we are live right now, I think on Twitter, on YouTube. I'm not sure about Facebook. And um, if people want to post a comment, we will read the comment if it's appropriate and interesting, and we will try to answer it. But first off, guys, I understand we have some breaking news to start off. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like DeAndre Jordan is officially a sixer, huh? DeAndre Jordan has cleared waivers and will be a Sixer, according to Sham Sharania. And uh, what's your nickname for him, Jason? I'm 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 working through. I'm workshopping a few. So there's Report <laughs> Bot. There is the Leak Merchant. I'm starting to like Leak Bot. You know, it's funny that people do work all the all the time, really, with the teams, and then somehow a team you work with every day. Um, the uh, the official word comes out through somebody who, as far as I can tell, has no actual opinions. He just reports what he's told. So, okay, we'll see. Report, we'll see what leak, happens. Leak, Leakbot has uh, confirmed what we all knew for probably the last what would you say five days or so, something like that. I know that um, when Daryl Morey was on the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. He said that there was somebody that was uh, about to break free that they thought they were going to bring along. I thought it was going to be Derek Favors. Um, I would have preferred that probably, but I don't know. Actually, I this don't... is this is a great um, a great segue into Dave. Dave, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan was with the Nets last year. You got to see him a ton. Does he have anything left? He he did put some good film on camera with 
James Harden. I mean, they had a little bit of chemistry at, at points. I would say over the course of the last few years, he really has not shown a lot. Um, you know, he's played with some superstars. He's played with KD. He's played with Harden. He's played with LeBron now and hasn't found a way to consistently provide those minutes that you're really looking for. Um, I don't think it's a bad signing for the Sixers. You know, I, I want to give a guy who just turned the Ben Simmons situation into James Harden the benefit of the doubt. I do have my concerns. My my number one concern, like if you look at a glass half full, basically, what's the opportunity cost? They're cutting, I guess, Trill. Is that official that they got rid of Willie Cauley-Stein? To make that I did not hear. Yeah, it is. Is, is that official? Is. They, they've they've terminated the ten day contract on Willie Cauley Stein, so he is he is on the street now. So, so that, would, that like turned into minutes. like three minutes of garbage time, right? Yeah, he played like six total minutes. I think it was all garbage time, and it didn't look like he was in the in the cards for them. So from that vantage point, uh, it's probably upside. I think he's going to be better than Trill would have been. The downside specifically for the Sixers would be basically, you know, Doc Rivers, things didn't work out for him with the Clippers because he overplayed Montrez Harrell and things didn't work out last year, obviously because of Ben Simmons. But also beyond that, if Ben wasn't so bad, we'd be looking at things like the Dwight Howard minutes. Why did he play Dwight Howard so much with Ben Simmons? Why did he pencil in Dwight Howard for like 10 to 12 minutes, no matter the matchup? And so many of us were like, that's not going to work when you play a second round team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot we can get into with the backup five position, but why don't we, why don't we rewind uh, about two weeks? We found out that the deal was finally consummated. The, the long rumored deal, the long, long, as a matter of fact, I'm doing this for the show. We're going live. Look, guys, I got to do it. I got to preview this. The Wells Fargo Center a couple months ago. Oh, wow. I'm wearing it. I'm going for it. What do you think? This is YouTube. This is uh, this is podcast history right here. So let's go back. Ben Simmons is a net. Ben Simmons is a net. And Dave, we're going to start with you. And then I want to come back with Jason on this. See what I can reveal. I don't know. I think I have a LSD slower, lower. <laughs> I don't want to go Delaware, there. Repping Delaware. Oh, okay. Hold there on, you hold go. on. Repping Delaware? Here, yeah. Here, here's Repping Delaware. Can nice. I, can nice. I, can <laughs> this, is, uh, this is going to turn R-rated any minute as long as we, if, if we don't stop right here. But um, what is the reaction right now for Brooklyn Nets fans having Ben Simmons, who, by the way, Sean Marks said today he is still, he's starting some individual work and he's beginning this is the new buzzword this is the new load management his ramp up it needs to begin very shortly it was reported that he may not play in the month of march um do nets fans think they got some damaged goods and by the way before you answer that question i tweeted out earlier today um this must be how sixers fans or lakers fans felt as a sixers contingent when they were watching all the Andrew Bynum news come out all those years ago. So sorry, sorry to do that to you, Jason. That implies I that Lakers face. fans know anything about their sport. Uh, it's a whole other discussion. Well, you know what? The one thing they care about in LA is the Lakers. I lived in California for two years. The Lakers are the only thing they care about. 
only when they're a Laker. They are everyone is a Hall of Famer until they're gone and then they don't exist. Yeah. Well, Dave, what is the feeling around Netsville in Brooklyn uh, about having Ben Simmons as their cent- one of their centerpieces now? I, I don't think anyone has hit that Andrew Bynum eject button that you went to. Um, <laughs> I went I early, didn't I? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen any of this this damaged goods. I have had one friend ask me, "Did they not give him an MRI?" Basically, you know, questioning is it possible they didn't do their due diligence? Um, but they did. They did all that. I think the collective feeling of Nets fans is it's it's not just Ben Simmons. This has been a thing here for 18 months now. We had this unbeatable super team that we just literally never got to see take the floor more than like eight regular season games, 12 regular season games total. So I think the feeling is sort of the way Sixers fans felt about things in the process. Like nothing's going to go our way. Someone's going to break their foot soon. Someone's going to have another allergy, you know? And I think that that sentiment is here. So on the, on the health, Thing. I do I do have some stuff from I've talked to some people um close to him and um I, I I've known them for a few years now so this is hard that so his issues uh dating back a few years are really related to that full IT band and um it manifests in the back it's not really a structural thing it's not going to show up on an MRI but that IB uh, that IT band sort of connects everything through your back all the way down. And it can cause nerve pain in a, in a lot of different areas. Um, Was this going back to that fall in Milwaukee two years ago? So that was. A, Remember when he missed all that time injury. with the yes, back? That yeah. was an acute injury. But um, the reason he missed that Celtics bubble series is it, it's the same injury as that, and it's it's mm. the same I should say condition. And it With is the subluxation of the patella. No, no, no. It's not a, it's, it's all of that stuff from your knee all the way up through your back is, is all connected. So and are you saying, are you saying the back injury he was set to miss the season with before it was delayed and they went to the bubble and then he dislocated his knee? Are you saying that's all sort of on the same chain related? It's all in the back? same chain. Yes. And, hmm. We we were really careful about how we talked about it at the time, and I want to be really careful about it now. It it is uh, all of that stuff is connected. I sh- I don't want to say that it's nothing. Uh, I also don't want to say that it's going to be like a career derailing type of condition. Um, but it is, you know, people I trust that are very close to him that I talk to, you know. At times, you know, daily and other times monthly, um, are telling me it's it's all connected to that same thing. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call him damaged goods. I also wouldn't say that the Nets didn't do their due diligence. They were, I'm sure, they were fully aware of, of this. Uh, of of this, it's not an acute injury. It's more of a chronic thing. Um, it's the kind of thing that creates sciatica, sciatica comes from that IT band. And uh, there are, there's just a lot of bad stuff and it is really painful and he's not making it up. Um, 
we can we can talk yeah. about the yeah mental side of the game in other areas but but this one is not a he's not afraid to play basketball uh in general he's not afraid to be on the floor um will he play this year i don't know i think it, a lot of it depends on can will will the, are the Nets going to be in a position where they're not just going to run into a buzzsaw of a, of a number one seed? Or do they really feel like the Heat are like a really bad number one seed, you know, that is I vulnerable? I think they are. Well, what's interesting to me about this Nets thing is it, it they're, they're going to be like an AAU team going into – if they make the playoffs, they're going to be like an AAU team, really. I mean, Kyrie's going to – you know, KD's coming back tonight. Kyrie – can't play as we know the home games in Brooklyn. If Ben starts in April, there's not going to be a ton of chemistry there, at least, you know, from the Ben perspective. So it's almost like throwing some talent together and hoping that, you know, rolling the ball out and hoping it works. Now it's working in Philly, just throwing it together, but we'll save that discussion for a few minutes from now. Um, Dave, is there concern on the net side right now about, you know, this is, this might be too late. Maybe this is a packing in for next year thing. It's got to be concern. I mean, if the playoffs were today, they're at Toronto without Kyrie Irving because no matter what happens in New York City, Kyrie's not in that game. Canada has their own rules. Um, right. So, so he wouldn't so be there are, at all. They're definitely, even before that first-round buzzsaw, which I don't think they think that there's a buzzsaw scenario. I think they think they could beat anyone if healthy, but they got to get healthy. They got to get out there. Um right. To that point, I, there's definitely concern. Like a few days ago, I was having the conversation, is Ben Simmons ducking the Sixers? And I started to come to the opinion, well, Nets fans have to hope that that's the case because the stuff that Jason's right. talking about is so much worse that that you've got a player who's going to have a chronic thing. And I think, yeah, I think it does go back to that 2020. A lot of people speculated that it was in that All-Star game. I know the Sixers said it was in a subsequent practice, but it was that – game against the Bucks where he had to leave after the first quarter and Brett Brown was like yeah, he was nauseous like that he was yeah. I've never seen a player in that much pain all that stuff is absolute nightmare scenarios for Nets fans immediately gets them to start talking about well can we trade him for Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard as soon as the season's over um and then like this crazy pendulum is like can you imagine if you were the, the Heat or the Sixers and ended up having to play the Nets in the first round and all of a sudden they're coming to you with Kyrie out there, maybe Ben Simmons out there eventually uh, in an optimistic scenario. And then Kevin Durant too. That's horrible. Cause now your road to the finals is brutal. Well, that yeah. would definitely be a tough early round matchup for sure. I guess the question that I would ask is, um, is even, you know, do either of you two have any historical perspective of a team coming together that late that really hasn't had any time together and being able to, make any kind of significant impact. I mean, there's not a lot of precedent for mid-season trades of all-stars and making that work. Mm -hmm. um, that's why this Harden thing so far looks pretty good, And but there's not a ton of precedent to it being a, something that happens often. But something like this, where the Nets are having to deal with, do either of you have any kind of historical perspective of... I I think the closest thing, and it and it wasn't a trade, but the the Cavs won a championship with LeBron, where that team was really bad defensive team. They were just a mess on the defensive end, and they they load managed LeBron for a ton of games, and they just had no real 
cohesion whatsoever. And they got into the playoffs and LeBron was a workhorse and is LeBron James and the best player of all time. So everything works. Um, we're not doing that on, I got him second. So we're, we don't have to do that. I, on I had an argument at the, uh, I had 16 year old kids yelling at me yesterday for this thing on the, on the basketball court. So, okay. Um, it's but still MJ. this is, this is definitely not okay. a LeBron podcast. LeBron, I'll, is I'll, I'll than MJ. LeBron is better than MJ. I'll say that confidently. All right. I guess we know what we're doing for both of your fourth uh, appearance. This but is, anyway, keep going. This is this is your podcast. So that would be my closest. My it, my concern to your point about cohesion is that for everything we we all know that Ben does well in a half court scenario when he's not the point guard and Kyrie's got the ball and Kevin Durant is your number one option. Where does Ben Simmons stand? Like literally on the court, where is he on the court in a half court offense? And where do you put him? Where literally, where do you put him? I don't even know where he would go. Dave, you want to take a shot? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would spot a... stands out, right? What's that? The, the thing is the, the one thing that I would say, Jason and, and you know, Dave, please, jump in the one thing you can do with ben with the nets that you couldn't do with him on the sixers is play him at the five and you know let him be that guy that you know brings the ball up and and guards the other five and you know or guards one through five and um you know see what you can do from that perspective and then you know maybe there is an offensive role for him in the paint where there wasn't with joel and be there that's the only thing i can think of dave what do you you know i I mean i think you cannot do a lot of the things defenses did to the Sixers to Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons is playing alongside those guys because it, it's tempting to sag off of him because you know he's not going to shoot it. But you see with shooters who play with shooters, you see with bigs who don't shoot, play with guys like that, they just uh, – the, the shooter sprints up to them and comes and takes a handoff and he's wide open. So you see that with Draymond Green all the time. That's the easiest example that – Sixers fans had hoped to see, but we never got that shooter. We never got that guy. We thought maybe Fultz might one day be. You did see some of it with J.J. Redick where Ben would be standing there unguarded and J.J. would just come right up behind him and take a hand off and shoot it. So I think that opens the door. If you have a passer like Kyrie or KD, they can hit him on the short roll in a way where the three of us watched guys like Korkmaz or Hole Neto do it every once in a while, but so seldom. Uh, in a Sixers uniform. I think they'll be able to do that. So I would do a mix of giving him the ball in some of those Giannis looks, as J.J. Redick said mm-hmm. on TV last night. Not that he is Giannis, but if you just go four out with shooters all along the perimeter, um, then Ben can usually beat his man. We saw him dust Daniel Gafford in the playoffs a few times, and he's an athletic big who can go out and chase him. Let him uh, create off the dribble. He's always done well when defended by a center like Gobert or Anthony Davis if he has room out there. And then that dribble handoff game, that short roll game in the dunker spot, I would do a mix of that and try to play as fast as possible. Seth Curry's already talked about how out of breath he is playing in the net system coming from the Sixers who are like a bottom four in pace, right? So I think Which is changing. It is changing already. It's changing in a a blur with Harden, but I think – the point was basically that the Nets want to play super fast, seven seconds or less. Steve Nash is there. So, 
Yeah. You know, I want to take this transition over to the Sixers, um, but it fir- but first I want to take a quick break, if that's okay with you guys. So um, as you both know, I don't, I don't make any money on this podcast, but I use the podcast as a platform to promote my daughter's charity, Small Miracles. She had a brain tumor in 2017, still has it. Um, after 18 months of chemotherapy, the tumor shrunk a little bit, and we have to go back every six months and make sure it doesn't shrink again. And instead of sitting around and, you know, feeling sorry for herself, she noticed that the other kids at Children's Hospital who were her age were really more withdrawn and they, you know, um, there were a lot of toys and games for the little kids, but for the teens, there really wasn't much for them. And she wanted to do something and give back to those teens like herself that were going through it. She put together, we've got a 501c3 charter. And she's raised over $90,000 and we are constantly giving back to Children's Hospital and local kids in the area here in Central Jersey. I live um, down near Bayville, uh, between Tom's River and Bayville, New Jersey. And, um, you know, whenever somebody's diagnosed, we, we go over with an iPad or, you know, some other things that I know that she felt were very helpful to her getting through it. In any event, if you want to check out the charity please take a look at the website. It's smallmiraclesinc.org. Or if you want to contribute to it, the Venmo is at small underscore miracles. And it, it's an amazing cause. She's done an amazing job. She's a great kid. And um, she's doing amazing things and changing the world, quite frankly. So sometimes it's not what you're given, it's what you do with it. And she's doing a great job of that. So thank you guys for the indulgence. I want to translate, transfer things over to the Sixers now. Um, Joel Embiid and James Harden look like they've been playing together for five years. They look like they're both going to the Hall of Fame. Um, How much do we read into this start versus who they've played so far? Jason, I'll start with you. You know, I'm a ones and fives guy. So when you have a really, really smart point guard who you've said um, that yep uh, yeah when you have a really smart point guard who can what i like about what i don't like watching harden play i don't find him to be an entertainment product i don't find him to be a visually entertaining player but what about his outfit that he wore to the stadium yeah i think you might be an anti-beard guy (laughs) i I I know you got no facial hair um, I'm thinking oh, that I this, is, beard a, for years. I just got this is a, is this a beardist podcast? I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I just got rid of the beard last year. So you don't so, find it being aesthetically pleasing. I don't find it. To, I, I get exactly the style because it is, it is the ruthless style of point guard, which is North and South instead of trying to beat a man left and right and uh, and do a bunch of things from an East-West perspective, he plays North and South. He puts a ton of pressure on a defense, and then he makes you pay for your decisions. And that's the job of a point guard, force you into an impossible right. decision, make you pay for it. So he's creating now leverage for the best center. Um, you know, I think, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, this is the best center to ever play the game. And uh, the numbers may not say that, but the bag is there. Um, I said to that 16 year old yesterday, we talked about Hakeem. I said, yeah, Embiid is Hakeem who grew three inches and added a three. 
Like that's what that's what you've got. So you now create a guy who who was forced to play through double teams, triple teams from multiple attack angles. Um, having those doubles and triples come from from many different angles. Uh, whose brain has caught up with all of the different ways people will attack him, and now you've eased a ton of that pressure off. Um, it becomes an impossible choice for uh, defenses. And it is, I love the idea that it's back to sort of the classic style of basketball that the 80s and 90s played. I think it's a better version. Obviously, it's a much better league. Um, it is a north-south approach to the to the game, which I love. Um I think there's some fit. I don't think Tobias Harris is a great fit. He's a he's an east-west player. He's a much slower paced player. But I think Tyrese Maxey, I know you probably have it on your list, but wow, does he benefit from this? Like he's the number one who just it's like you just injected um like yeah, this may make him an all-star. Things. This this if this he's keeps going, going like this, yeah, he, he's he's definitely his his ceiling has just gotten a lot higher. I think James Harden will make Tyrese Maxey a hundred million dollars. So the next question, Dave, and I'm going to shift this over to you. The you know obviously the honeymoon phase is here. People are in love with James Harden. The team is fun. The Simmons saga is over, and it's really really it's it's must see TV or or live basketball if you get that chance the question that i have and that i keep getting from the naysayers is james harden forced his way out of houston he forced his way out of brooklyn he was super excited to get to brooklyn and it was only a year ago and now a year later he's super excited to get out of brooklyn and we're gonna you know have this maybe maybe we'll get this for the next 20 games in the playoffs but then next year something's gonna happen should we be concerned? Should we feel like, you know, since he's got these relationships with Daryl Morey and Michael Rubin and Meek Mill and everybody else that that this is not going to... What, coming from the Nets perspective, should we be weary of? Or should we be weary? Yeah, I heard, I think it was Michelle Beadle with The Athletic who put out there, like, he left Oklahoma, he left Houston, he left the Nets, he's going to leave you as soon as he gets bored. Well, he was pulled from Oklahoma. We don't have to... That, that, I, think, I, think. I think some of this narrative is a little overblown. I mean, they traded him away to make room for luxury taxes, and they wanted to fit in Kendrick Perkins. If they didn't want to do that, he could still be there, and he should have been. If anything, they could have traded Russell Westbrook. It would have been better off. And then he stayed with Houston for like eight, nine years. So he did the right thing, I think, getting out of Houston. We do judge players also for staying in a terrible situation and never winning a championship. So I think he did the right thing asking out. People have already started to wonder, did he originally want Philly? Did he not want Brooklyn? Did he not well, have he did, he did say that Brooklyn was his first choice, and then now he says Philly was his first choice. But we won't, uh, you know. Let's just I, say I have, both I won't are at the top him. of his list. And I think yeah. I, I was very surprised that all of a sudden he was available for trade. I thought he was going to stay in Brooklyn. I know that he – reports were that he made Joe Sy the ownership – and others feel comfortable that he did want to be there long-term as recently as September. So I do think a lot of the reporting that Jake Fisher has done such a great job with Bleacher Report about the Cold War between him and Durant, I think ultimately there were 
signs that Kyrie could be back at some point. You remember just before Harden wanted out, we started to wonder, is New York going to change? Is Kyrie going to be full time? And all these issues that Harden supposedly has could go away like that. Um, I think there was a reason for him to read the tea leaves and say, maybe that's the case by the time I sign a long-term deal. But it just wasn't where he wanted to plant his flag. I don't think he thought those guys were very fun. I think, you know, Kyrie can rub people the wrong way. There was that article from Joe Varden. He's burning sage in the locker room and Harden thought that was made him a weirdo um, to, you know, to cleanse the spirit. Wait, wait, burning sage makes him a weirdo, but not thinking the earth is flat as a weirdo. I think <laughs> the article pointed that out. Maybe it was a least of all worries type uh, of deal. Okay. Who knows? But, and then I think you look at Kevin Durant and they might've clashed maybe two alphas, maybe Durant isn't, as fun as Joel Embiid is, you know, like you look at Joel Embiid and James Harden, they're clearly both really, really enjoying this. They enjoy each other. They're having more fun than I saw James Harden seem to be having all season long. And I know you guys know Joel is giddy with this. So I do think, obviously, I I think I'm not, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think he's giddy from this. But I think he feels like he lost 500 pounds getting Simmons out of out of here too. Both, I think, both. I yeah. think that was weighing for sure. A hundred percent lost that 500 pounds. Gains Harden, who then lost 20 pounds already since coming to Philly. Yeah. Um, he's he he would be a great UFC fighter, right? He can cut like that. Yeah, intermittent um, fasting or whatever the hell he's doing. He should be doing a Nutrisystem commercial or something. I, I have just, heard that the team is. Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your thought. I have heard that the team is not concerned that Harden's going to leave. But I would just say, like, you, you always have to be concerned until the player is inked for the long term. Yep. Harden has not picked up that option. It's actually better because maybe he'll sign a five-year deal and then you won't have to worry about this until the back end of that contract starts to look bleak. But Or maybe gonna... he'll uh, sign for a little bit less and then you get off Tobias and you can add somebody else. I don't know that Harden's giving you any kind of discount here, but... I, I do think he's going to stay long-term. I, I would have said that about Brooklyn, so feel free to dismiss, but I think he's here for the long-term. Yeah. So, so here, here's what I would ahead, ask. I, I would ask both of you and all the listeners uh, and, and viewers that consider. Um, in your life, when you had a boss who gave you the big break and he saw the potential in you and really – made your career happen and we can we can talk about how james harden and okc was sort of the fan favorite you know sixth man third star um there but at the end of the day daryl morey is the guy that said i see a hall of fame player in you and i'm going to throw everything i've got to get you on my team and if you think back to the person that did that for you in your life, think about how you feel about that person. And is that a person you would ever do pull a Jimmy Butler to and just show up for half a season and bounce? It's hard for me to see that. I think this is, he's now had someone who has shown no BS, no, you know, in the tunnel, gas you up about how great you are. It's a guy who's pushed his chips into the table, into the middle of the table to acquire you twice. Made sure that I, you- I agree. 
generational yeah, no. wealth. Right. I, I agree with you on that. I think there's very little downside for that reason, but where's he going to go? I mean, if this thing goes sour, he's definitely hurt his cachet and value. I mean, I can't imagine that the Boston Celtics or, you know, I'm just picking up a random team are going to yeah. say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to send Jalen Brown over to, for James Harden, or I'm going to sign him in the off season for all of my cap room because I trust he'll stay here. Um, okay, I think so he knows that this is where, I think he knows that that he's got to make this work as well. Yeah, and where where if you're an elite point guard and and a tr like a Chris Paul, last two minutes of a game, Kyrie Irving, uh, forget the first forty six minutes, um, James Harden level, um, Hall of Fame level, like point guard. How how many situations can you say? Well, it would be better to play with that person versus a hall of fame center that has all of it, everything in the bag, a guy that can literally empty the paint for you so that you can really just do whatever you want to a defense. You know, does he, does he thrive with a Clint Capella type? Sure. But this is a whole different thing he gets to play with. This is like the newest Lamborghini that he just gets to go take out first spin it's it's i think the jimmy butler example is a really good one in the sense of joel Embiid has shown that he can play with anybody jimmy butler couldn't play with anybody at that point right and or at least the perception was and the fact that he and Embiid are still such good friends and they did click on the floor now there were other reasons for jimmy butler not being here one of them is ben simmons the other was brett brown but the bottom line is I think that all these things lead to the fact that this should end a lot better. Um, I want to transition because I know that I, I promised Dave we'd get him out at a quarter of because he's got the Nets pregame to do. Um, you guys brought up Tobias earlier. Is I, I agree with you, Jason, what you said, that he doesn't really fit this style. Um, can, he, can he be a good catch-and-shoot guy? Can he throw six or seven threes up a game? He's got the ability to do it. The question is, do you guys think that he will make the adjustment this year? I don't think he'll be on the Sixers next year. Do you guys think he'll make any kind of an adjustment this year? Or do you think what we've seen the last three games is kind of what we're dealing with? I said it earlier. I think you can be a really good player in the NBA, but if you're not a Hall of Fame level player, then fit and context matters. And mm -hmm. um, I don't – I just – the, the scheme has now changed drastically and the things that make him a near all-star um, no longer really apply to this offense. So. But do I you just, think he can adjust and be a useful player? Do you see, I mean, Niang coming in for him in the last three minutes of a playoff game? I mean, do you think it's going to get that bad? I, I don't know, but I, he's a deliberate player in and I don't think you want that around um, James Harden and Joel Embiid. I, I think you need super decisive, just they know their thing and they go do their thing without thinking, just mindless, like unconscious, no conscience shooters. Him passing up that one like wide open three to dribble into traffic right and in then the lane, yeah. back out, can't have it. 
You can't you can't, can't have, have that it. and can't have it. And he's been doing it several times since since Harden was finally available. Uh, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I maybe they can help him. There were times in 2019 when Butler and Reddick were here where a, a smart coach like Nick Nurse said, let me just leave open Tobias and live with it. And he shot like, what, what was it, like 2 of 13 from three-point land in game four of that series. I think we're going to be headed towards something similar where teams just dare him to shoot, especially if Matisse is out there with him. You could help off both of them. And it, it could get ugly to the point where I don't know if they'll do it because he still has plenty of cachet to his name. You still have Stephen A. Smith saying, if Tyrese Maxey is the third player here and it comes at the expense of Tobias, that's terrible. They'll never get out of the East. So I don't know how Doc would see it. Doc thrived with Tobias in L.A. Is he going to commit to him no matter what? Probably he shouldn't because, like like Jason said, having an unconscious bomber out there, even like Danny Green, might be great. Here's a thought experiment for you guys. Like, Let's say they didn't use Robert Covington on Jimmy Butler and had him. How much more would they have attached? I thought about this question the other day. How much more would they have attached Elton Brand to Covington to get Tobias Harris in that trade? So Robert Covington plus what gets you Tobias back in 2019? Probably a lot. And what would they have to attach now to Tobias to just swap him for Covington, who'd be a really nice fit in some ways? So it's tough to he'd be think a, about he'd that. Be an absolute fantastic fit, but I don't know how that money would work at all. Um, no, no, this is just theoretical. I'm just no, yeah, I'm I'm with point. you 100. Totally. Well, you, you remember uh, all the people screaming for a Tobias Kevin Love swap? That would work out pretty well right now too. The way Love's played this year. Just want a guy to shoot it. Yeah. 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 Kevin, I, I, say whatever you want about Kevin Love and being washed. Like, that's the type of player you want. Find, would have been a perfect fit. Lowry marketing is like the type of player you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's Kale not Bridges about would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, it's not about a value judgment on Tobias in a vacuum as an NBA player. I don't think it is. I think what he does well, he he really is valuable, but it's it has to fit within the context of what else is happening. And I don't see where it fits with what else is happening on the floor. And I know it's early, but you know, I watched the guy for his entire career. He, he's 29 now, right? So having watched all of these guys for their entire yeah. career, it, that's just not how NBA players work, you know. I think there's a, a pride factor to Tobias, where you know he wants to live up to his contract or at least be considered in the discussion of an all-star, et cetera. We've all seen it, right? Um, I do think he's going to get tired of scoring 10 points a game. And I do think maybe he will change by the end of the year. Something's going to click. I'm not saying he's a long-term fit, but I think he's going to figure out a way to be useful because I think he's too good and has too much pride to just sit back in the tank and try to dribble into traffic and throw up crappy spin around, you know, eight footers that bounce off the front of the rim. I got to hit you guys with one other thing. So uh, can, I, can I just say one, one other thing about Tobias? Yeah, sure. I think we're being pretty tough on him. Uh, I think fair, but tough. Uh, his impact on the franchise overall, though, I think is going to be a huge positive. His, the way that he has been a, uh, a voice of calm, mature, 
professionalism, positivity for the young players that have come up through this uh, franchise and system, I think will, yeah, is, is just, we talk about it, but it's sort of a throwaway thing that people don't think actually means anything. And it, and it does, I think he's going to have a really positive effect on the, on the Tyrese. Well, I think more importantly is whoever Joel Embiid is now. And if he had a reason or if he had a part in growing the maturity of who Joel Embiid is, then that's, you know, worth its weight in gold right there. Cause right now, Joel Embiid is a mature leader on a potential championship team, which not sure we could have said that three years ago. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Apparently, right? It seems like it. Um, I want to hit you guys with this before we get out of here. Um, Sixer fans need a whipping boy. We have to have one. We've And, and for me, I'm going to read you a tweet that I've tweeted at every game for the last two months. Can someone explain to me why Isaiah Joe hasn't taken all of Furkan Korkmaz's minutes. Help me with the Furk thing. How much longer do we have to watch this? You want to go, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I tweeted. I mean, it's uh, it's agony that. watching this guy at this point. I tweeted myself sort of sarcastically, like I guess he's in for his defense because he's not in for his jumper. He's known as a marksman, mm-hmm. but he's not a marksman right now. And if if Daryl Morey has a pie chart that says he's going to regress positive, we're still waiting. We're still waiting on that. Um, he doesn't have the same air or arc under his ball right now. He doesn't. He looks completely out of sorts. He misses one or two, and then he quickly throws a turnover because I don't know if he's in his own head or just, you know, it, it reminds me of when Markel Fultz wasn't able to shoot, and so then it would also infiltrate other elements of his game, and suddenly – he wasn't dribbling well either because you could tell he was thinking about everything. So maybe Ferk is in that bad place right now. I would I don't see any downside to throwing out Isaiah Joe because you know he could shoot. And I do I really do think he will regress positive. I know his percentage is down, but his stroke is so good. I would bet on it. So good. Um uh, I'll defend Ferk and I'll make the case for him. And I love Isaiah Joe. So it's you're you're giving me a tough question. Um the case for uh, optimism with FERC is I think with Simmons being out and Shake Milton being out, like who was the point guard? You had Tyrese Maxey out there. Um, and when Tyrese would leave the floor, like who was the point guard? And they started trying to have FERC become some sort of orchestrator of offense. And and now is the time to just strip all of that away and say, you have one job, one job, slide to the spot, get your hands ready. You're going to get hit in the shooting pocket and let it fly. And nothing else, nothing else, period. There's no look around for who, uh, where the options are, no manipulate. The he needs to be Danny spot. Green. He needs to be Danny Green. Yeah. And... um and you know the biggest decision you have to make is if they I gotta, uh, come I gotta hop on the Zoom. Okay. All right, Dave. We'll say goodbye to you, man. Tell everybody where they can follow you, real quick. Follow me at David Early, spelled as is, on Twitter. I'll be covering the Sixers and the Nets the rest of the year. And thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it was always fun. I loved having my third time, and uh, appreciate you guys. 
Can't wait till number four. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks. All right. Jason, you got about five, 10 more minutes? Yeah, I I can hang out. Uh, The biggest decision I want to make is the guy's flying at him. Does he make one dribble, step to the side, and then launch? Like, that's it. And, and, and be prepared to go over 20 if, if, if need be. But, um, the only way for him to, to have an NBA career is to not think twice about his shot. It's, it is the skill that's going to make or break his career. So I don't know. I, I've watched him take thousands of shots and I know he can shoot. So whoever the Sixers sports psychologist is, they need a new one <laughs> because some of these guys get so in their heads, man. It's unbelievable going back yeah. to Fultz and Simmons. I, and it's, and I it's don't know. I don't buy the fan thing. I really don't. I don't buy the, I don't buy no, the I don't fan buy thing. At all. No. I, no, the guy is just not hitting. He's lost confidence. Um, and he's, he's just getting worse and he's in his own head. And, you know, the one thing you liked about him is he seemed like a guy that didn't have a conscience and now he does. And I think that's hurting him. Um, one more thing for you before we roll. Um, we sure. did talk about the big man situation. We said we're going to get back to it a little bit more. Can you explain something to me? What does Doc Rivers have against Charles Bassey and Paul Reed? <laughs> Do Are they not? I mean, they're both more athletic than Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan at this point. They both can, you know, they both get offensive rebounds, which is something nobody on the team's able to do. They can play a little defense and they can finish at the rim. I mean, isn't that kind of all we need right now? I don't understand it. Uh, I I think so. I wonder if Doc just wants to look in a player's eyes and say a thing and have that player nod and truly understand it, whether they can go actually physically do it anymore or not. He wants to see it in their eyes that he, that they know what he's talking about. I also yeah. think he's still a year and a half in with a team and he wants to inst- instill a system. Uh, he's just got a bias against anyone under the age of 25. It seems, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't trust anyone under, I don't know what the age is. Is it 24? Is it 23? Um, which makes the maxi thing. Uh, all the more impressive, really. Well, he benched him at the end of the year last year. Remember, he had to come in and be a spark in a couple of playoff games or else mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, if yeah, Ben Simmons started the year with the Sixers, I don't think Maxie was starting, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but he's a, exactly. Maxie is a player that, and they're rare, that just made it impossible not to play him. And he outperformed, I think, everyone's expectations. There's no way, if somebody's, going to slide my DMs and tell me they saw it. Uh, they saw this player coming out of Kentucky. I, no okay. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I think I know how to watch players. I, I, he's wildly outperformed uh, expectations and his growth curve is insane. You know, but I, he's the, can, can he's I give you my comparator? I mean, I, I the comparator. I mean, I could be way off, but I remember Donovan Mitchell coming out of Louisville and where he was taken and where his trajectory went. Do you see something like that in terms of that caliber um, of player? Yeah, I think he's a much better teammate. Wow. 
Um, he doesn't have to deal with Rudy Gobert. But I, but I agree. Other... I think that's a really good. I, I think that's a really good comp. He he was a guy that people low key loved, and then he he blew up really quickly. And uh, good. yeah, yeah, it's a good comp. We well, man, we're gonna course. we're gonna have to get you back on. We, let's do this again. It's fun. You know, I always love talking to you. Um, tell Me everybody too. where they can follow you. Follow the painted lines. Follow Mike Small. Um, I gained, I oddly gained a bunch of followers on Twitter. I guess I made it seem like I'm, I'm back in the Sixers mindset. So uh, I am Jay Blevins NBA on Twitter, and I will try to focus more on talking about uh, the team and, and the NBA. And um, yeah, appreciate you having me on. And Jason is the guy that brought me into the painted lines. And you can follow me at Real Mike Small. And you can also subscribe to the Painted Lines and see all the previous work that I've had. And also, um, you can get the Killing Me Smalls podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Jason, and a special shout out to Dave Early. Thanks, guys. And thanks for watching the Killing Me Smalls podcast. Hey, it's Justin Grasso from Sports Illustrated. You're killing me, Smalls. Enjoy the podcast.